Hello, and welcome to another Halloween special edition of Square Mile of Murder. Woo! Yay! Or, ooh. Um, I'm Taylor, which you probably already knew, but just for good measure. Um, and today I'm going to tell Kat. That's me. Yes. Uh, and everyone else listening by extension. Uh, the creepy, possibly true, possibly mythical story of Sonny Bean. I'm excited for this because I know nothing about Sonny Bean. Yeah. Little, little backstory in, in terms of this story and the, the pod. The, uh, the podcast Gremlin actually requested that we cover this months and months and months ago. And in the process of trying to put together the episode, we discovered that it might not be true. So we decided <laughs> to leave it for for a, a a different time, and and that's where we are now. So shall we? On with the show. Yes. So according to legend, Alexander Sawney Bean, uh, which is a popular nickname for Alexander, apparently. Oh. In Scotland, anyway. So, Alexander Sawney Bean was born in uh, late 13th century Scotland in East Lothian, which uh, borders Edinburgh. Or possibly it was 16th century or maybe 18th century. Things are fuzzy. That's a wide range of dates. Isn't it just? <laughs> um, so his parents were ditch diggers and hedge trimmers, or possibly they were tanners. Again, so many different versions of this story. Uh, but we're going to go with ditch diggers. So they were ditch diggers and hedge trimmers, and they raised young Alexander to join the family business. But Sonny was, quote, prone to idleness, which I love because I, too, am prone to idleness. Um, it is a lot more fun than... Lazy than motherfucker. Every... Yeah. And also, if you're like us, like, obviously, we both have pretty bad back problems. So yeah. <laughs> digging ditches doesn't sound appealing. No, not so much. Um, so, yes, he was prone to idleness and... Uh, also just wasn't interested in doing an honest day's work, which who could blame him, really? I mean, it's the, the 14th, the 15th, the 16th, 16th to 18th, 18th century. century. Life is hard. You know, there's probably a plague. Yeah, right. Life is hard. It's just, it's rough. It's rough out there for a, a little, yeah. a little Alexander. Um, who, who wants to, to work when you can just like, literally just like fuck about and enjoy a very short life yes exactly um and depending on which century very short indeed uh but so he didn't like he didn't want to be a ditch digger so he ran away from his family but he wasn't alone no no uh he had met a quote vicious woman as she is often described does that just mean she knew how to stand up for herself i well Probably yes, but also probably a little bit more. Um, she was known as Black Agnes Douglas. So black in quotation marks 
not the the sort of ethnic descriptor, but I think more like evil. Yeah, like a black widow type. Yes. Um, and she already had quite the reputation before she even met Sonny Bean and had even been accused of witchcraft previously. Oh, sounds like my type of girl. She was a fun time. Um, many sources say they were married, but really, who knows? Who knows? So, Sonny and Black Agnes ended up on the Ayrshire coast on the opposite side of the country from East Lothian. And they set up their home in Benane Cave near Ballantrae. And now, if you're thinking that living in a cave might be sort of cramped quarters, I would think that too. But Benane Cave was actually huge. It had tunnels that went deep into the rock for miles and miles and had tons of little, like, side passages branching off in every direction. And... Lucky for them, the caves. Nope, nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. No, that is one thing that freaks me out. Like I can go into caves, you know, like you know, caves that are like attractions where you just go on a walking tour yeah, through them. Yeah, that's fine. I could not go pothole in. Yeah, I've done it, and I don't recommend it. Um, it the thought of it just terrifies me. Yeah. So you'll like this bit even less. The cave's entrance was hidden from view twice a day by the tide. So it would like kind of... That's just impractical. Isn't it? Isn't it though? Like I... So would the cave flood? Like a little bit, yeah. Not all of it, but some of it. Nope, 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 (laughs) nope. Not a fan, not a fan. Um, No. Plus it's the Atlantic, it's fucking Baltic. it's fucking freezing, yeah. Um, Yeah. Or is it the Irish Sea there on Ayrshire? Or it could be the North Sea? Uh, no, you're on the wrong side of the country. Okay. Yeah. No, the North Sea is where I am. Okay. Um, <laughs> then it could be, in any case, it is fucking cold. So don't recommend making your home in a cave. But they did. Uh, so I settled down in Benin Cave, Sonny of course, now had to find a way to provide for his new bride. And he decided, as most do, to turn to robbery to make his living. Yeah. I mean, if you are kind of born idol, then. Yes. Of course, you're going to turn to crime. They didn't have, you know, they couldn't become YouTubers or podcasters in those days. Oh, right. It's true. Robbery was really the original get rich quick scheme. And it was super easy for him to ambush. That's a weird word. Ambush ambush fuck (laughs) just start that over uh and it was easy for him to ambush travelers on the empty roads between the villages in the uh in the area near their cave home and you know as all good lunatics realize eventually sawney realized that there was one easy way to ensure he would never be identified for his crimes he had to murder his victims. Oh, dear. Obviously. Got, yeah. Just get a just job, man. Gotta kill him. Gotta kill them all. Um, so it's just like common sense, right? Uh, but here's where he took it a step further than most robbers turned murderers will, will go. He decided that he could get even more use from his unwitting victims if he robbed them murdered them, and then butchered and ate them. 
I mean, a cave would be a good place to store meat. It would be. So, and I mean, really, who wants to head into town after a long day of murdering? Like, you don't want to have to go to the shop, pick up some ground meat. It's just so much easier to eat your victims. Oh, yeah. Just eat the evidence. Yeah. Um, so this humane or human diet proved to be very nourishing for the beans. And wouldn't you know it, pretty soon, Black Agnes had given birth to 14 children. What? Uh-huh. How, how many years did they live in this cave? Multiple decades. Right. Okay, so it's a nourishing diet, all the rest of it. Yeah. Not something that I, I'm ever going to encourage. No. But, okay, 14 children. Yes. In the cave. Yes. That's cut off twice a day. Yes. No electric. No. So this is like the start of those horror films where there's creatures in the caves. Yes. That like The Descent. I actually like that film. <laughs> it's creepy as fuck. But I'm also not the type of person that's ever going to go in a cave like that, so... Yeah. Well, yeah. So they lived in this cave, 14 children, all of whom were raised on the taste of human flesh. Yum. And these children also joined in on the family business of robbing, murdering, and eating. But lest you think that these wild cannibals were wasteful, they weren't. Because they would pickle and salt any bits of body that they didn't eat right away. So... They would have had to go to town to get salt and anything that you need for preserving things. So why not just go to the butchers on your way? You know, I don't know. They were sustainable. They used what they had, you know? Okay. <laughs> um, but as you can imagine, sometimes the, the tide would whisk away some of these pickled parts and uh, locals would find them washed up on the surrounding beaches. Now, before you puke, <laughs> authorities knew that something was going on, um, but... Well, I'm not surprised right. even the most inept law enforcement would have to have realized eh, there's pickled body parts turning up. There's something weird happening here. They also seem to have a never-ending list of like missing persons to contend with, so that's something. Now, over the next two decades, so 20 years... The Bean Clan grew and grew, all thanks to incest. Hitting all the points here today. Every single one. So fun. So uh, the 14 Bean children are said to have incestuously produced 32 grandchildren. So 32 grandchildren plus. It's, so that's 48. It's 48 cannibals living in Benin Cane Cave together. 48 cannibals living in a cave. Yep. 48 cannibal cave. It's like 42 wallaby way, but horrifying. <laughs> Have you seen that meme going around about millennials can only memorize two addresses, their own home and 42 wallaby way? No, but I believe it. <laughs> but now you're going to remember 48 Benane Cave for the rest of your life. Nope. <laughs> um, so this massive group of cannibals would perform sort of dramatic tactical attacks on groups of victims. And they could easily dispatch up to half a dozen victims at once by ambushing them and outnumbering them. But the best laid plans of mice and cannibals sometimes go awry. And one night, 
Sonny Bean and his offspring set upon a man and his wife as they returned from a nearby fair. A couple of the beans pulled the woman off her horse, stripped her naked, and disemboweled her, all before they could even get her husband off of his horse. They were quick about it. Wow. Yes. Now, shocked and horrified at what had just happened to his wife, as he should be, the man made a desperate attempt to escape by directing his horse to trample on his attackers. Good tactic, I think. Yeah. Pretty good. As he tried to fight off the beans, a group of about 20 people also returning from the fair came upon this very violent and bloody scene. And as people joined the fight, the Bean clan found themselves shockingly outnumbered and retreated to their cave, leaving behind the woman's body and also a horde of witnesses. Right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So... The man who survived the attack was taken to the chief magistrate in Glasgow and told his harrowing tale of being attacked. The magistrate connected this attack to the exponentially long list of missing persons and decided something so ghastly needed to be taken right to the head cheese himself, King James I of Scotland. Or in some versions, King James the sixth and first, who was... We'll get to that. But anyway, one of the King Jameses. So King James was known to be an avid hunter and decided he would head up the hunt for the murderers himself. I I do like a leader who is hands-on. Yes, exactly. You know. He he likes to participate, not just sit there. It's it's better than than the leaders we have today. Yeah. I don't think Boris Johnson's going to go hunt down any cannibals. Anytime soon? No. I think I think Nicola might. Yeah. I could see her. Could see her going after some cannibals. <laughs> I think she'd win too. She's Oh yeah. She's good. So involved guy that he was, King James, uh made his way up to the Ayrshire coast with an army of four hundred men and a pack of tracking dogs. And off they went to find the cannibals. And now at first the search didn't turn up anything because The cave was hidden by the tide. But soon, the dogs picked up the scent of decaying flesh and led the army right to Benane Cave. So, with swords drawn, uh, the troops entered the cave and wound their way down into the depths of the Bean Clan lair. And what they found was truly horrifying, a sight like which they had never seen before. Human limbs and body parts hanging from the ceiling like a butcher's shop. Bundles of stolen clothes and piles of jewelry, valuables, and treasures. And most gruesome of all, piles of discarded human bones from prior cannibalistic feasts. Ew. Yeah. So, the whole army, they're down in this cave. The Bean Clan put up a fight, but the troops managed to capture every last one of them. And they were marched off to Edinburgh to pay for their crimes. Uh, Now, after some careful consideration, everyone decided that these people, if you could even call them that at this point, really, uh, were well beyond the, the capabilities of the normal justice system. And they just decided, you know what? We're just going to sentence them to death without a trial. We're just, we're done with these guys. So they sentenced all 48 of them to death. The next day, the 27 men were killed 
Similarly to uh, many of their victims, uh, their arms and legs were cut off and they were left to bleed to death slowly. And the 21 women were forced to watch the men bleed to death and then were all burned at the stake. Right. Isn't this a fun story? Yeah. I'm glad I have not had anything to eat today. Yeah. Um, So... Estimates on the Bean Clan's number of victims vary widely from a few hundred victims to like a thousand to the extremely high 5,593 that Wikipedia lists. Not sure where they got that one. So basically every person who died or went missing in 20 years in West Scotland. In Scotland, yeah. And possibly in the entire country. (laughs) But... Here's the thing. Nobody really knows if Sonny Bean ever existed at all. Yeah. So here's some of the basic issues that we run into. The first is obviously that nobody seems to be able to agree when Sonny Bean actually lived. Some sources place him during the reign of King James I of Scotland, which would have been in the early 1400s. Others place the story during the reign of King James the sixth and first, who succeeded Queen Elizabeth I and reigned in the early 1600s. But the tale first appeared in volume one of the Newgate Calendar, uh, which was a crime tabloid, and it was published in the mid-18th century, so mid-1700s. Okay. Now, the second major issue is that if hundreds or even thousands of people were going missing on the Ayrshire coast, and if, as the story notes, authorities were keeping track, there should be some remaining record of all of these missing people. Yeah. But there isn't. So, you know, the, the guy in the horse. Yes. Who survived. Yes. Is there even a record of who of his name? Nope. No, nothing. The magistrates, anybody? No, no. I mean, no matter which of the supposed time periods <laughs> it happened yeah. in. There's extensive record keeping from all of those periods. Exactly. It's not like it's the Dark Ages. Exactly. I mean, you're close. You're close to the Dark Ages in the 1300s, but like you're out of it by a good hundred years or so. Yeah, but there's still record. Someone like there, like there would be some record of thousands of missing people. Yeah. Some mentioned before 1750 ish. You would have thought. You would have thought. But, of course, as we know, because we look at a lot of these older cases where records are gone, Mm. um, missing records or the absence of evidence doesn't always mean that something never happened. No. It's hard hard to say, really. Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. Yes, exactly. And then, of course, we have to think about the matter of the timing when the story first appeared. See, during the 18th century, there were two Jacobite uprisings in Scotland that hoped to reinstate James Francis Edward Stuart and then subsequent Stuart descendants to the British throne. Now, that there's a whole kettle of fish that we don't have time to get into today. Yeah, Um, let's not go there. (laughs) But suffice it to say, the English, who already weren't keen on the Scots, really, really didn't like them during this time period. Yeah. Um, and many historians believe that the story of Sonny Bean was created as anti-Scottish propaganda to paint the Scottish people as savage and barbarous. 
Um, and one source I read mentioned that Sawney was also a common way uh, for the English to refer to like Scottish sort of cartoon characters or, or caricatures. So it'd be like calling an Irishman Patty. Mm. So okay, yeah, something like that. So could be could have been propaganda, whether it's true or not. The legend of Sonny Bean has served as inspiration for many films and bits and pieces of popular culture over the years. Uh, Wes Craven has said he used the legend as inspiration for his 1977 horror film, The Hills Have Eyes. Elements of the legend can be seen in other horror films like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Ravenous um, and like Deliverance, I think, and the comic series Hack slash, hack and slash, hack slash, slash, slash. It's hack slash. Okay. <laughs> and there is a 2012 film adaptation of uh, the story set in modern times called Sawney colon Flesh of Man, or also it's called Lord of Darkness on IMDb. So. Uh, where Sonny Bean is depicted as a uh, black cab driver. And I kind of want to see it, even though it has two stars on IMDb. Okay. That, oh, I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> it sounds horrendous. It sounds horrible. So he's a he's a cab driver who just like picks up victims, essentially. Eats them? I guess, yeah. I don't know. Uh, the, the, the pictures I saw of it, of, Stills looked very like dark and creepy. So he wore he was wearing a big apron for the but butchering, probably. Now, so those are like these sort of consumable film pop culture uh, takes on this legend. There is one other way that you can experience the tale in three dimensions. You can go to Edinburgh and check out the Edinburgh Dungeons Cannibal Cave attraction. And take a tour through uh, the Sawney Bean Clan's gruesome abode. No, thank you. <laughs> um, conflicting information online. Uh, most information says it's a boat ride, but the actual website says walk around the cave. So I don't really know. There might be boats involved. There might be walking involved. So yeah, that is the possibly true, possibly mythical Definitely disgusting story of Sonny Bean and his horde of hungry, hungry cannibals. I don't think it's true. No. There may have been, like, we know cannibalism happens or has happened. There may have been a family who were cannibals. There probably weren't 48 incestuous cannibals stealing 5,000 people. <laughs> I mean, probably not. It really wouldn't surprise me for it to just be propaganda by the English. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it fits particularly well based on the time period that it first appeared in the um, crime tabloid that, like, it was propaganda. One of the historians that I read speaking about it, she's like, if it sounds... Like a you know blockbuster horror film. That's because it's what it was. It was created to sell books or to sell yeah. publications. So you know it's it's supposed to be like that. Um, there are 
people who say that Sonny Bean could actually have been um, someone known as Christy Cleek, who was a butcher from Perth and who ate people and would ambush people from their horses and grab them with a big hook, which is a, a cleek, apparently. Oh. And so he was around in 1300s. Mm. In theory, again, like it's unclear if he actually existed. Yeah. Because you're getting so far back. But like some people are like, well, actually, probably this guy was real, but Sonny Bean wasn't. So. Mm. Like you say, it does sound too sensationalist. Too. Yeah. Too. It's, I can't think of the word manufactured. Yeah. I think is the nearest I can to what I mean. It ends kind of, you know, they, the entire clan were found in the cave and. And nobody died in the struggle. And like, that's the thing that gets me. It's like, oh, they managed to capture all 48 of them with no problem. Yeah. It's like so, one of them would have died in the fight. Like either one of the cannibals or one of the, but like probably more than one of the cannibals considering they were. Products of incest and probably not real sturdy folk. I don't know. Uh, and like, I think that if you had cut off 27 men's limbs and burned 21 women at the stake in Edinburgh town center, no matter what year it happened, there'd be a record of that somewhere. You would think, wouldn't you? You would think. But I also kind of like to think that it's true. Really? Like, I don't because it's gross. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I love folklore and urban legends, so like it's you don't you don't want to believe that it's like it's all fake. Some yeah. some some English guy just made it up because he was mad at the Scots that one time. But think of how easy it is to do things. How easy it was to do things like that back any time, kind of pre-internet. Really, yeah. You could make up all kinds of of urban legends. I know. I think that that's. A kind of a, a victim of the internet age and the global knowledge age. Like, you can't just make up scary, like, local stories anymore yeah. without getting attacked of, like, well, that can't be true, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, sometimes you just want to tell, tell your children or tell your neighbors, like, a ghost story and freak them the hell out. And, yeah. and then they go tell all their friends. Like, there's a, a, a joy in that. I, I'm coming off like a psychopath here, aren't I? A little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying, but... It's a, it's a part of the oral tradition, I guess, that I think is... is... It's definitely kind of dying out. Yeah. Especially in, in our society where, like you say, oral storytelling just isn't a thing anymore. It hasn't been for at least a generation or two now. Yeah. Like, like obviously, like my, my parents, especially my dad, like have all kinds of stories from from like 50 years ago mm -hmm. things that happened and things that are a bit weird and stuff like that but nothing urban legend like yeah and also when you think of urban legends think like vampires things like that a lot of people who were thought to be vampires we've since found out were actually like uh tb victims or yeah. had cancer and you know like anyone who died of consumption yeah actually it's this whole could have been like a whole spectrum of illnesses that these people could have had but it was kind of oh it was consumption or it was something supernatural whereas we know so much more now that yeah it's, it's like when you look at 
changes in trends in horror films. Mm-hmm. What was scary in the 50s, the like creature feature thing, yeah. is so... Uh, what's the word? It's It's not scary in the slightest to us, and it's so... The special effects are just like so primitive and things like that that mm-hmm. it's not scary. Then you look at changes into this uh, sort of sixties and seventies, you know, zombie films, mm-hmm. George Romero, all that was you know supposedly a metaphor for Vietnam, things like that, and it keeps changing all the time. I did my undergraduate thesis on this, so <laughs> <laughs> well, and also I think like if you think about some of the really majorly popular horror films of the last few years last decade whatever like the purge is very much about politics so like it is it's reflections of the time the purge although as a film in filmmaking that it doesn't scare me i don't jump i'm not frightened but yeah as a concept fucking terrifying absolutely horrifying or like what are some of the other Paranormal Activity, that whole series. Fuck off. <laughs> I hate it. I also ha- hate um, Blair Witch Project. Everyone goes on about how terrifying that was. Fuck off. I haven't seen the Blair Witch Project. I just know that my college roommate and I saw Paranormal Activity in theaters, the first one, and uh, that night she then forced me to stay up all night with her because she was convinced that in the middle of the night she would wake up to me standing at the foot of her bed just staring at her like happens in the film so we stayed up and watched episodes of doctor who instead yeah one of my sort of favorite horror films of the last 10 or 15 years is cabin in the woods oh yes so that's 2012 was that yeah and i i loved that because it blends like the whole like supernatural horror with this modern like scientific political horror kind of thing yeah and i love it i i love like also i love like cabin in the wood type of films because i'm from a rural area and i know they're not true yeah that shit doesn't happen yeah also like cabin in the woods is so meta as well that it's just really fun to watch like it's i i love that one i want to rewatch that actually i think it's on netflix i might say watch it later (laughs) but yeah so cannibals scottish cannibals probably not a thing probably not a thing great story yeah really great story and uh written about in many instances like nowhere is it mentioned that it is potentially a myth so if if one came across the story and believed it to be true you'd be totally totally uh understood why that might happen because yeah definitely it's everywhere i honestly didn't know that it was i didn't really know anything about it i'd sort of heard of it yeah but i didn't know anything about it and then it was was another podcast i was listening to and they mentioned Sony Bean and the like, and the uh, Edinburgh Dungeons. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like Scottish people. Why are you playing into this? It was like <laughs> English propaganda against the Scots. Why are you don't encourage it? it. Yeah, don't encourage them. And I didn't really know anything about it other than that. I always thought it was a myth, though. So. 
I just love that it's like, oh, yeah, he realized that a great way to feed his family, his growing family, was to just feed them people. Yeah, but he'd have to have found a way to feed himself and his wife before she popped out these 14 kids anyway, so... Yes. Well, there's different versions. And if there's, like, piles and piles of, of riches and treasure inside the cave, they could have just gone and bought food. Well, because it's too suspicious. How did they get all those? Then people would be like, hey, dude, where'd you get all this stuff? He'd be like, oh, it's from the people I killed. Instead, he could just eat people. Nah, there's always a crooked fence. <laughs> well, I think that's that. I think so. If if you've heard the story and you have heard like other versions or... So I basically, I stuck with the... 14, 1300s, 1400s uh, version because it made the most sense in terms of the king to me. But if you've heard like the 16th century version or the 18th century, let me know. Um, and if you've been on the Cannibal Cave attraction at the Edinburgh Dungeons, like I want to hear about that because obviously can't go right now um although i think they might be open but like i'm not gonna go right now so uh, i want to know if anyone has experienced it what it's <laughs> you like. want to know if it's worth going yes that's what you're asking i'm sure it's probably horrendously expensive so um, i i'd be inclined to do it if if i knew it was gonna be decent yeah they are quite expensive i've done york dungeons yeah um and they were all kind of this under the same setup. That was like six or seven years ago. And I think it was fairly expensive then. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't pay for myself. I had I was it was it was a treat from my mother. She took me and my sister. <laughs> say, if you don't behave, this is where you'll end up. <laughs> we lost her at one point. She got sent off into a a maze. Oh shit. And everyone else had to go and find her. Uh and you were like, you know what, we're, we'll just leave her. Nah, she came up, she just appeared behind us at one point. We're like, where the hell have you been? <laughs> oh, hey, you, you again. <laughs> well, so let us know what you think. Um, we got got more fun, creepy, spoopy, scary, skeletony, Halloweeny stuff happening. So t stay tuned and uh, subscribe, and 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 so you can get all that right right automatically right when it becomes available and we'll see you tomorrow for another scary story yes yeah exciting all right thanks so much bye bye